everybody here watching this podcast. We are super excited to meet Rob Pat. He's the supervising director of Walt Disney Television Animation for seven years. But Rob has been working for Disney Feature Film since 1994, from Pocahontas to the home, ro- home on the range. I love the cows, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rob, how did you become interested in animation and what sense of purpose do you feel having in this role of supervising, supervising director? Yeah, I you know I'm so lucky that really early on I had it figured out. I knew I loved drawing and I, you know, I was born really poor with, with the mom that had mental health problems and, and it was just the two of us and we were on government assistance. So cartoons was a real big escape for me. And here in Los Angeles, we had a, a, a show on Sunday mornings, three hours of Popeye cartoons, of the Fleischer Popeye cartoons. And I love Bugs Bunny and Looney Tunes. And so I knew, I loved Superman even really as a young kid, but I knew with comic books, it's only just, it's only drawing. But yeah. when I watched a Bugs Bunny cartoon, it was drawing, it was performance, it was timing, it was music, voiceover, it was color backgrounds. It was all these different combinations of art coming together. And I knew that was for me. I knew really early in kindergarten, I was telling friends, when I grow up, I'm going to be an animator at Walt Disney. I just, I was driven and I knew I was, I just fell in love with this art form. So, you know, as I grew up and you, you figure out what schools to go to and boy, we have like one of the best ones here in, in California, CalArts, but because of, you know, of my situation there, that just wasn't a realistic possibility. It wasn't going to happen, but I would ride my bike around my neighborhood in North Hollywood. And I saw this building that said um, motion picture screen cartoonist union. And I'm like, cartoonist, what is this place? And I found out it was the union headquarters for for the animators. And I investigated it and I found out, oh, you could take classes at night. Now, you you don't get a degree or a diploma or anything, but the people that you're learning from are folks that work at Disney during the day and then they want to earn a few extra bucks at night. So they teach night classes. So I took some in-between classes and um, kind of learned the process of how animation was done. One of my teachers was Ruben Aquino, who had animated Ursula the Sea Witch and Little Mermaid. And so not only you're learning from him, you could ask questions. What is the studio doing right now? And I still remember him going, well, we're working on this movie, The Lion King, and there's going to be a character called Scar, so you can guess what he has on his face. (laughs) And it was like, oh, wow, are you guys going to be hiring? And he said, well, we've had these big hits with, with, you know, Little Mermaid, and then Beauty and the Beast got bigger, and then Aladdin got bigger, and it started to get busy. So now I, you know, again, there's there's unfortunate times being poor or not being able to go to a great school, but then the fortunate timing of, well, I'm about, I'm entering, entering my early 20s and I'm around the time I, I want to get a job at this place and they've had huge success and are really busy right now. So I had a, a clear goal to go for. Well, how was it to be part of the team of doing this, all these kind of movies, Aladdin, The Little Mermaid, Pocahontas, Home on the Range? Being part of all these amazing artists as well in that time. Oh my, it was amazing. I, I mean, they were unquestioned. You know, this is before Pixar was a super ha- you know player. This is before DreamWorks is big. It was unquestionably this was the center of the the animation universe. And for me to I, walk on that main lot, that studio lot where all these legendary animators had worked, I was just beside myself. I could I could hardly believe it. And I you know not married, not, didn't have kids yet. I just knew like, well, this may not last long. What if they're only hiring me for Pocahontas and that's it? 
I'm going to make the most of this uh, situation. So I would do all of my work that was required of me during the day. And then I would just stay at night and I pretty much eat dinner and then just live in my office. And I would work on my own animation tests. And now I had access to the animators that I could go, oh, you know, I like baseball. I want to animate like how a, big, a, a swing happens. And I would animate it. And then now I had a, a mentor to show it to and, and to learn from. And then, you know, eight o'clock the morning the next day, now I got to do my, my work on Pocahontas that's required of me. But I just did that for the whole time. And it really, it just hasn't let up. <laughs> it's been since 1994. I'm still doing that. I still work at night on my own things. That's just the way it goes. All this journey working at Disney Animation Studios, what values and successes have you accomplished throughout all these years? Well, the number one great thing about working at a place like that is if you're an artist, you want your work to be seen. And if you're working at, at Disney, your work will be seen and it's global and it's worldwide. And it's just great that like, uh, especially when I first started, it was the, the, the only question was, how can we make it better? The quality, 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 quality. So if you're an artist and you want to work on quality, that was great. And to be surrounded by other artists that, that were all about quality because it drove you being exposed to all these um, other artists that wanted to be better. And it was like um, always kind of a friendly comp competition. It never, it never got negative. It was always about if anyone did a scene, you wanted your scene to be even better. They wanted their scene to be even better. It was this drive to be great. So as an artist, that was just uh, wonderful, beautiful. And then the work was very visible and people would see it. And, you know, we would get crew jackets like, oh, you're working on Hercules. We have a, a jacket that said Hercules crew. And if I wore that around town, people would stop me, you know, and they talk, oh, my God, Disney, we love Hercules. Um, so it's very rewarding as an artist to, to have your work seen. And, um, and that's the great thing, because I still do work on my own. You're right. But how do you get eyeballs on your own stuff? You know, I animate my own Carman, the road rage antihero. <laughs> But how do you get people to watch Carman? You're like, it's hard. But if you're Disney, the work is going to be seen. How important is it the storyboarding? Also the, the angles and the cinematic storyboard. Yes. Very, how important is it in the... The design? storyboard is critical. It is pretty much, compare it to a blueprint for your cartoon. You would never um, just build a house and start nailing things and start putting things together. You'd have to have a plan. And your storyboard is planning every shot, every shot. How do the shots cut together? What motion is gonna drive a cut? How do the shots complement each other? Like an animation, what pose complements a, a, a bend? Well, a straight, that's where you're gonna see movement. So you wanna see from shot to shot, how do the shots complement each other and work together? How do they still, the, the, the number one thing, how do you tell your story clearly? Um, because you always think it's clear until somebody else sees it and it's not clear. This um, building your storyboard is critical. And in the case of now I'm in television, it's even more difficult because the time constraints, you, you're working much faster and a much smaller team. Feature has, you know, maybe ideally five years to make 190 to 100 minutes of footage for five years. In television, in one year, we do 25 half an hours. So it's a lot more, it's a lot faster. The crews are smaller. You have to know, I call it cinematic language. You have to know what drives a cut, what motivates a cut, what, um, what cut is appropriate for the, for the moment. 
um, because there's not going to be anybody to refine it and fix it for you down the line. It kind of goes with the board artist. Why is it different making a movie, the timeline of the movie and the timeline of series? I thought that the series would be also a long time because it takes, it's a series and it's more episodes. But yeah, yeah. Different? Uh, one episode, half an hour episode of a series will take about a year and a half to produce fully from the script to the finished product. So a year oh, and a half. The 11 so minutes order, series? 11 minutes per episode? Well, a 20, about 20, a oh. 22 minute, let's say. But we are doing two 11 minutes nowadays. But but yeah, so let's say a 22 minute takes about a year and a half. So in order to get 25 of those half an hours done, you now have to stack them. Uh, you know, you, you, they have to piggyback on top of each other. So at any given time, I might have about five or six of them floating in various um, stages of, oh, this one's in script, but this one's in storyboards. This one's in animatic, meaning you, you're now going to... Um, you're going to film your storyboards and put the sound together and try to make a, a limited cartoon to kind of see the, the timing and the flow. Um, one might be in rough animation or layout. One might be in final color. They're all in different phases. So now in television, you're juggling, you know, several episodes. If a question comes up, Oh, Hey, should this shot, should this have been a three shot? We made it a three shot, but it's bumping up against another three shot. Uh Oh, okay. Um, uh, make that one a single and then we'll pull out so it'll cut better. Yeah. But you have to remember from all these different episodes that you're juggling. Yeah. Where in feature, um, you know, they still, and, and in television, you have to work tightly from that script. That script's been um, scrutinized by by the executives. Everybody signed off. We This is what we're doing. So you right. can't deviate from it much. And you're going to just now execute that script. In feature, they have a script, but it's a much more fluid. Let's let's kind of follow the script, but you can embellish. You can kind of make the moment um, more special, um, add to it. Um, if you think of an eye, oh, you know what? I know what we're doing this later in a sequence. I can set up a little smart bomb here that's going to pay off in a later sequence. You're kind of um, writing a little bit more when you're a feature board artist. This challenge transition from making movies to 2D traditional animation to 3D, how hard was it for you to transition that uh, the timeline from to yeah, that was a period of struggle because I had been animating for almost nine years at Disney Feature, like you mentioned, Pocahontas, through Tarzan, <laughs> Atlantis, um, Hercules, that whole era, and I loved it. And I wanted to become one of the modern nine old men. I, I would have worked there until I, you know, until I was an, yeah. a little old man for eighty years, and I would have been so happy. And then Toy Story comes out and they, they showed it at the studio and we had a screening and I do, I can't remember which friend of mine, but I remember a friend of mine walking out next to me saying, well, we're all going to be out of jobs in a few years. And I thought, well, no, it's, it looks, it looks different enough from what we do. If anything, I don't know if they'll ever do um, stop motion anymore because it looks similar to that. But my friend was right. So we saw the movies kind of waning in um, popularity as boom, these, these CG movies were hitting and, you know, Toy Story was a huge hit. But the really eye-opening thing to me was in, in the history of, of 2D animation, you really only had Disney that had hits. Other than that, Don Bluth, which was an offshoot of Disney, had a, is the only other studio that could say they had several hits. And that's it. It may be a hit here and a miss there, but that was it. Nobody could replicate this, this repeated success that Disney could. But now Toy Story was a big hit. Okay, well, that's a Pixar thing. They can do it. But then... Shrek came out from DreamWorks. Oh, they had a huge hit. 
Ice Age came out from um, Fox. Well, they had a huge hit. Uh-oh. And then they were replicating it. It was like, wow, this is a whole new ballgame, the CG, because now they're replicating success. And yeah, it did, it did kind of spell the end of 2D animation. It was very painful. And so now I was describing to you how I lived and slept at the studio working on 2D. Now I was 10 years older. Now I had a wife and I had kids and I had to reinvent myself. And being a 2D animator that who, who rolled the drawings and made characters move, you were treated like a Jedi Knight. It was the greatest. And I felt like as a poor kid, I had climbed the, this hill and I got to the top of it. And now I had slid all the way back down to the bottom and I had to start again. And it was humbling and doing, I thought, well, I could, I could be a CG animator, but boy, I've invested so much in my career in drawing and that's a way I can market myself. Do I want to throw away that and, and, and compete against people who grew up on the computer? I can't compete with them. So I'm going to stick to drawing and get into story. But now, after being treated like a Jedi Knight for a few years, I had to be very humble and be told, you're not cutting it. Like, I struggled as a story artist because I thought, well, I know how to draw and I know how to read a script. Just draw what it says. I had to learn, no, there's a whole cinematic language that's kind of been developed over the course of 100 years of filmed entertainment where the audience has certain expectations. You know, somebody holds their hand, hey, I got this. Well, we have to punch into what that is. There's like certain expectations that this kind of language has developed. Just scream off, oh, a character's looking that way. Put, a, put some space uh, there to put the energy that way. So then when it cuts, this character's looking... There's a whole language I had to learn and it was humbling, but um, fortunately that's my person. Maybe, maybe it was good. I had humble beginnings because I wasn't, I wasn't too proud. I, I accepted learning, but it was hard for, I had a, you know, three or four years where I really struggled. But then once the light bulbs went on, boom, boom, the passion took over. Oh my God. I love this Re revealing information, not just drawing what the script says, making it a reveal, a little setup. And then a reveal, oh my God, it's so fun. Then once I got passionate about it, because I wasn't passionate at first, I wanted to still be an animator. Once I found that passion for it, then the career took off again. And then I was directing and trying to get this passion to my other board artists. And, um, and then now it's continuing uh, as, a, as a supervising director. Um, yeah, but that took you, all those steps took you to where you are now. So, I mean, you are now more proud of your still storyboarding but you are having also this language and also this amazing experience that you can give to others. Because we are giving to others, it gives you more. So that's, that's very humbling as well. From and, it, part. It, it, and it life teaches you these lessons. And now I've learned it's really about adapting. You know, if we were all cavemen and we were hunting buffalo around a ridge and coming home with buffalo to feed our families, but everybody learned about it and everybody came and there was less buffalo, you would either have to, hmm, I better make a better weapon than, than, than this person, or I better go to a different place because the people that will keep going will come home empty-handed. You, you have to adapt. And I've seen the industry change so much in my 27 years that everyone that I'm talking to, everybody that I'm listening to, imagine 27 years from now, it's probably gonna be done a lot differently. You're gonna have to learn your whole career, always keep both ears open and be humble and learn. And it's a competitive field. Everybody wants to do this job because it's fun. So be nice to people. Sometimes artists can't, you know, 
just being nice to each other is, it, it can be a, a challenge because you, you know you get your butt kicked here and there. So just stay nice to people, work hard, be passionate, and always be open to learning. And um, I that's what I that's what my career's taught me so far. Yeah, that's true. And also, um, I want to ask since you're now a supervising director and you're in this role nowadays, what makes a great hire? Like in your eyes, what? How does an artist need to be prepared to become this Disney artist today? Yeah, so it's a fine line. Well, obviously, passion. I'm going to keep saying passion, 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 because passion's what's inspired. Love what you do. Be passionate about it. Be want to be good at it. I don't know how long. Uh, I'm no scientist. I don't know how long we've been classified as humans. Maybe ten thousand years. And only in this last hundred years, we can do this as a job that's fun. Like what a privilege. So why not be really good at it? And you can draw and you can make children laugh and, and, and entertain people. So be passionate and be good about it. And so bring that passion into work and be open to learning and, and not, not um, ever get complacent and feel like you know it all or you can't take in and, and information. Be, like, be a good collaborator. And then the, the fine line that you have to toe is, at work, it's collaboration. It's not my cartoon. It's it, it's not Rob Pratt's uh, uh, firebuds that I'm working on. It's well, it's Disney's firebuds. So I have to make it as good as for the company and their brand and what they want to do. It's not my personal artistic expression. I want to make it. I want to be passionate and do it as good as I can because I want to entertain kids. Oh, if you hear kids laughing in a room, it's the best thing. So I want to do that. If I want to do my own artistic statement. I do that on my own. I animate my own cartoons. There's YouTube now. There's Instagram. There's Facebook. I can put my artwork out on my own. So what's great is you have work that is collaboration and is fun and fulfilling in that way. But then it can be frustrating because collaboration means not getting your way every time. Sometimes you lose arguments. But then you have your personal work, which you can do. And there's no, you know, maybe you don't have the collaboration. That's bad but then you don't have the compromise either. You can do how you want to do it. And that, yeah. that's a great balance. Strike that balance. And if you're passionate, the stuff you do on your own is going to make you better at what you do at work. Yeah, so I do look for that for hiring, hiring folks. So if somebody feels like hopeless, like, oh, I love the Disney brand and I really wish I could work on it. But boy, that's a, that's a competitive thing. Well, in television, because we have to produce so much animation, 20, 25 half an hours per year, we do outsource. So we do the pre-production work, designing the shows, writing the scripts, recording the voices, right. everything. Uh, animatic, storyboard. We send it to, for the shots to be produced at a partner studio. And then we get that back and then we do the post-production, adding the music and everything. So these um, partner studios that we have, like one that we're working right now is in Canada. But I've also worked for one uh, on, I was on Elena of Avalor. We worked with the studio in India, Technicolor. We worked at Team Toe in Paris. So there are other studios that are outsourced studios that are in different countries that you could still feel, hey, I work on a Disney show. And when I would visit those studios, the animators took great pride in it. They felt like, yeah, I'm part of the production. And they would have their Pocahontas. I mean, they would have their Elena of Avalor toys all over their desk because they were part of the they were part of Elena of Avalor. They were part of Disney. So don't let it get you down or it's too daunting. And I know even here, I, I was born here and I saw that studio with a big bullseye on it for me. But it was intimidating to a poor kid like me. That was intimidating. 
But if that feels intimidating, you can go for that. But there are also these other studios where you can work on a Disney show. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And Robert, do you have now, do you feel that you have now the opportunity to do what you do best today? Being a supervisor, being at Disney, working for 27 years, is is, is fulfilling? Do you have this purpose? What is the purpose of this? Well, you know, what I like about directing, and look, I'm going to give away a little secret right now. This is a little gem for everybody, so pay attention. Pay attention. I would, always, I would always have students come up to me and say, I want to be a director someday. How do I do it? And then I, my question is, okay, why do you want to be a director? And I'm amazed at how many people don't have the answer. Oh, and some of them are surprised that I would ask this. And then I would get a lot of, a lot of the answers would basically be so I can tell people what to do. And that's not inspiring. I'll tell you why I wanted to be a director. It's because I love this art form so much that I want to be involved in every, I want to know how the storyboard happens. I want to know how the voice acting happens. I want to check in with color. I want to know how every moving piece works. And I want to know it so well that if somebody on my production drops the ball, they can't, somehow they don't, they can't see the vision. They can't get it done. I can jump in and I can make it happen because I love it so much. That's why you should be a director because you love every aspect of it. Now, if, mm -hmm. and, and that's not for everybody. Some people are like, I wanna be like an actor. Well, you should be an animator then because an animator is where the performance is. You wanna, new, you wanna know every little nuance about how do I show thinking, getting an idea. I wanna know how to do a walk. I wanna like be an actor and, and know every nuance of that job so you can be excellent at that job. And the same goes for, if you wanna be a voice actor, be really good at it. Know how to put music in your delivery. Know how to communicate an emotion because we're in the emotion game. Every movie we watch, we should know how the character is emotionally at any given time. Um, color, whatever, maybe you just wanna be really, really good at that one aspect and, 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 and then be passionate about it. But for a director, it's, it's, it's really loving all these phases and knowing that you could jump in if, if, you, if needed. And I really want for you, Rob, to give the last inspiring words to this Latin America community that are watching us right now. And they want to feel connected with you. Like you come from a really different social economic family, but you grow up, you, you pass your way, you design your life. So yeah. please give your final words to our audience. Okay, you've heard me say passion a lot. Be passionate about what you do. Don't wait for somebody to give you an opportunity. Make your opportunity. Go do it. And I know if you feel like the resources are limited, this generation, you're in a better uh, stage than I was. You have the internet. You can look up things. You can connect with people. You can um, do your work and post it, and people will give you feedback, sometimes hard feedback. But you can learn no matter where you are in this world, as long as you're passionate. And I got this job in a humble way against people that maybe had a little bit easier than me, but they weren't going to love it as much as I did. They were not going to be as passionate as I was. And I didn't wait for somebody to invite me in the door. I busted through the door. And it doesn't, it doesn't end. It, it goes to your whole career. Then I wanted to be a director, and nobody was giving me a director opportunity. And I thought, well, I could cry about it. Nobody will call me. No, I took the, uh, I took the handles. I'm going to make a Superman cartoon. I love Superman. I animated my own Superman cartoon, full color with music, posted it on, on YouTube. 
and it went nuts with all the Superman websites. And then people saw it and went, oh, Rob can direct. You, you make your, take charge of your destiny. Make it, do it with passion. Passion is what inspires others. And don't sit around and, and wait and, and, and don't get a bad attitude about nobody giving you the, the opportunity or nobody handing you something. Earn it, make it, make it happen. And what's great is it's a fun thing to do in the process. You're learning and, and find like-minded friends that will drive you or will work on your things with you. This is a fun thing to do. So just have fun, be passionate and chase it.